Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord? Amen. How many are excited about the word today? Amen. Well, this morning we're going to conclude our series. I'm calling It's About Time. Have you ever been waiting on someone for what seemed to be forever, and when they finally arrived, you said to them, well, it's about time. A few weeks ago, the Lord spoke this phrase to me, and I immediately sat down and began to write, and I I wrote down three phrases. I wrote down, it's about time we grew up. How many would agree with that? I wrote down the phrase, it's about time we gave up. And then I wrote down the phrase, it's about time we graced up. If you're not here for sermon number one or sermon number two, you can go online and and listen to those messages. Let's read our scripture for today. We actually have two scriptures to get us started. The first one is found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18. The Bible says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And then James writes in James chapter 4 and verse number 6, speaking of God, he says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God gives grace to the humble. I want us to notice two phrases from these verses. First of all, notice the phrase, grow in grace. Grow in grace. And then the second phrase, he gives more grace. I don't know about you this morning, but I believe it's about time we graced up. Father, I thank you for your grace, your freely given, unmerited love and favor. Thank you that when I was unlovable, you loved me. When I could not save myself, you saved me. And God, I just pray, Lord, that the grace that you have for me will be the grace that I will have for others. Let your anointing rest upon the message, the messenger, all for the glory of God we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. There are four areas in our life where we could all probably use more grace in. I know I sure could. And I want to talk about those four areas this morning. The first thing that we need to do is we need to work at developing unconditional love. Unconditional love. And and that's what grace is all about. Because grace literally means unmerited favor. See, we need to understand that God doesn't love us because we are so lovable. God didn't look down upon man and say, man, man is so lovable. I just can't. They they are just so irresistible. I, I just can't help but loving them. No, no, no. No, God doesn't love us because we are so lovable. God loves us even when we are unlovable. God loves us because he is love. He loves us because love is his very nature. Well, guess what? The Bible says that we are his children. Now, children take on some of the traits and some of the characteristics and some of the attributes of their their parents. 
as God's children, we should take on his nature and especially the nature of love. In 1991, I, I planted a, a brand new church in Midland, Texas. I, I started with only seven people. Four of them were my family. We had no property. We had no money. We had no programs. We had no people. What could I offer? What could I offer? There were churches, you know, that had beautiful buildings. They had incredible programs. They had tons of people. They had all of these things. I had none of those things. What in the world could I offer people? I decided to offer unconditional love. I decided to love and care for people like nobody else would. I made a brand new commitment, and my commitment was not to preach better sermons, and it was not to become a better administrator, but my commitment was that I was going to love people. I was going to love them unconditionally. I was going to love like I had never loved my entire life and my entire ministry. And guess what? It worked. It worked. People started coming to us from everywhere. I soon recognized a common denominator with these people. Many of them that came to us were wounded. Many of them were hurt. Many of them were bruised. Many of them were disillusioned uh, with church and with pastors. And God allowed us to pour in some oil and wine in these wounds, and most of them were restored. I publicly told everyone who walked into our rented building in the beginning, I, I, I told them, I said, you will be loved unconditionally here. I, I would tell the people publicly, you, you have a clean slate in here. You have no baggage as far as I'm concerned. You have a fresh start. You're not going to be judged on your past. You can rise or you can fall on your own in here from this day forward. I'll never forget one Sunday when a new family walked into our church. And a certain man who had been coming for a while came to me and said to me, speaking about the new family that just walked in, he said to me, he said, you better, he said, you better watch out for that family. They're trouble. I didn't say it, but I could have, and I thought it. You know, that's what somebody told me about you when you walked in. <laughs> True story. I believe it's about time we graced up. It's about time we developed an unconditional love for people. Now, now I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about allowing people to run all over us. I'm not talking about overlooking sin. I'm not talking about allowing people to speak into our life that, that hasn't earned that right. What I'm simply saying is that we need to develop and offer unconditional love to everybody that walks in our doors. And to everyone that walks into our life. And I ask you this morning, how, how can we who have received unconditional love from God, how can we not offer it also to people? And offer it to all people, every race, every color, saved and lost, Republicans and Democrats, people who, who love us back, and even people who stab us in the back. 
May I suggest this morning that through grace and grace alone will this be possible. The next thing we need to work at this morning is I think we need to work at becoming unbiased in our opinions. This is a big one. We need to work at becoming unbiased in our opinions. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, let your conversation be gracious. Be what? Maybe I better ask again, be what? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. I'm going to say something some of you are not going to like, some of you are not going to agree with, but I'm just going to say it anyway. All of our opinions are tainted and biased. All of them. All of our opinions are based on what we have been taught or what we have caught. All of our opinions are based upon what we have seen and we have heard from those that have influence in our life. Our opinions have been formed by little bits and pieces of information that we have gathered from here and we have gathered from there. And some of it is true and some of it is partially true and some of it is totally false. And all of it is a part and a, and a process of our forming our opinions. If we're really going to grace up, if we're going to grow in grace, it will require us working at becoming more unbiased in our opinions. Notice I said more unbiased in our opinions because we can never become totally unbiased, we can def- but we can definitely become better in this area with much concentration and work. We'll give you some tips on how to improve in this area. You're going to become unbiased in your opinions. The first thing you're going to have to do is retrain the way you think. Retrain the way you think. Don't be so black and white in areas that are not black and white. Now hear me this morning. Hear everything. See, I I don't have time to clarify everything I say. So hear me this morning. I'm not saying there are not things that are black and white. Let me tell you that this book has a lot of black and whites in it. And when the Bible says thou shalt not, you better not. It's an absolute. It's black or white. But not everything in life is black or white. And so we need to retrain the way that we think. Don't be so black and white in the areas that are not black or white. We need to take time to process what we hear rather than form opinions hastily. And that's what we normally do based upon the little box that we all live in. And we all live in a little box. Some have smaller boxes than others. But we all live within our little parameters and those parameters are all that we have ever, we've ever heard, all of that we've ever seen. Amen. It is what we have been taught and it is what we have been, that we have caught along the way. Retrain the way you think. Second thing you need to do is be open to new ideas. I didn't say swallow everything, look, hook, line, and sinker. I said be open to new ideas. 
Don't be like the hundred-year-old man that was being interviewed. And the interviewer said to him, wow, wow, 100 years. You're 100 years old. Man, man, you have seen so many changes in 100 years. And the old fellow said, yes. And I've been again every single one of them. I've met that fellow. Third thing you need to do is try to look with fresh with fresh eyes. Try to look with fresh eyes. I I remember hearing a pastor tell uh, say that God that God told him to throw away his old Bible. He said God told him to throw away his old Bible. His old Bible he had he had been studying out of and reading out of for years and years, and it had hundreds and and hundreds of handwritten notes written in it. And he said he heard the Lord tell him to throw away his old Bible. And God told him to go get him a brand new Bible. And God told him to read his brand new Bible like he was reading the Bible for the very first time. Without all of the notes that he had written in, opinions of others, opinions of other preachers and other ministers, opinions of his own, to throw all of that away and to get a brand new Bible and start all over fresh and read the Bible as if he had never read it before as he was reading the Bible for the very first time. Try and forget all that he had been taught and all that he had caught along the ways to read it with fresh eyes. And I remember hearing that pastor say that, that, that he did what the Lord told him to do and, and, and that, that he began to read the Bible and the Bible came alive to him in a new and a fresh way. He said he saw some things that he had never seen before and he said some of the things that he had seen a thousand times took on a brand new meaning. I can personally tell you that I've had to retrain my thinking. I've had to unlearn some things. See, sometimes we need to learn some things, but there are times when we need to unlearn some things. And I've had to unlearn some things that, that, that I was taught. I've had to unlearn some things that I had caught along the way that weren't exactly I have had to learn to separate the important from the unimportant. And I've had to learn to separate the message from the messenger. See, see, sometimes we miss an important message because we don't like the messenger. Hey, don't forget God spoke through a donkey one time. In fact, I've been around a long time. He's spoken through more than one donkey. Don't, 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 throw, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't, don't, don't dismiss a valid message just because you don't like the messenger. And don't dismiss... Everything somebody teaches just because you don't like one thing they teach. 
And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll scrutinize someone so much that we'll find that one thing that we don't agree with. It doesn't line up with our theology or it doesn't line up with what we were taught or what we caught. And so we throw it all out. And yet they have some incredible things to say and some incredible teaching that we can learn. I've told you before, I don't believe everything I I say. I certainly don't believe everything I said 30 years ago. Don't take every word that comes out of my mouth as the same as Holy Scripture, amen? And you know, if, there, if there's a little alarm bell going on in your, in your heart when pastor's preaching, well, dig it out. Don't get on Facebook and blast pastor for false doctrine, please. Come on. And, it, and if you really do find I'm in error, I would love to sit down and for you to show me and I can correct it. For, and I'm serious. With a cup of coffee with a sweet spirit. Not this way. And I've also had to learn to separate truth from personal opinion and truth from tradition. And see, see, all of us have our little slant on Scripture based on what we've been taught and what we have, we have caught along the way. We need to be, be careful that we don't look down our noses at other Christians who don't interpret Scripture exactly like we do. We should unite over the doctrines that we do agree on rather than divide over the ones that we disagree on. See, see, you don't have to dot your I's and cross your T's exactly the way I do to come to the grace place. Listen, if you believe in the grace of God for your salvation, if you believe that God did for us what we could never do for ourselves through his perfect son, Jesus Christ, his death on the cross and resurrection, that makes you my brother. That makes you my sister. We don't have to agree on who the ten toes of Daniel are. Some of us are going in the rapture pre-trip. Some of you are hanging around for half of it. The rest of you are going through the whole thing. Just stay as long as you want. But I'm out on the first load. But listen, I'm not going to fall out with you if you believe something else. Just get right with God. Live right for God. Do the right thing. Be under the blood of Jesus Christ. And whenever the trump sounds, you're gone. How many believe it's about time we graced up? we grace up, we will work at developing unconditional love. We will work at becoming unbiased in our opinions. And number three, we will work at becoming more understanding in our judgments. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15 says, work at living in peace with everyone. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2, he says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. He said, for you will be treated as you treat others. Wow. Maybe I ought to treat others a little better. 
Jesus went on to say the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Here's what I've noticed over the years. People judge others by the letter of the law, but they want to be judged by grace. If we're going to grace up, we will have to work at becoming more understanding in our judgments. Let me give you some things to consider when making your judgments. Let me suggest, first of all, things are seldom as they appear to be on the surface. See, we make our judgments on, with limited information. It's amazing for me to hear, you know, how... Dumb, my decision was when somebody saying that has half the information I have. Now, I'm just, I'm not, that hasn't happened. I'm not, I'm just saying that's just hypothetically. But isn't it that way? You know, you know, you know, we, we, uh, we throw something at the TV, you know, when, when the, ma- when the manager, you know, uh, takes out our favorite picture, you know, what's he doing that for? Well, he may know something we don't know. You know, he may have seen something. He may have heard it. We don't, they don't tell us all things. Things are seldom as they appear to be on the surface. Number two, we don't have all the facts. And if you have all the facts, you don't have to make a decision. That's the answer when you have all the facts. The decision is when you don't have all the facts. But, but. But we don't, we don't have all the facts. Number three, some of the facts that we do have have been misrepresented. I mean, no, we have a way of slanting things our way. I said we. I didn't say you. I said we. You can say amen. And here's a good question to ask this morning. That is, how would we like to be treated if we were in this situation? Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says, It is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Did you hear the word of the Lord there? It is only, the Bible says that it is only because of God's mercy that we are not consumed. Now remember, grace means unmerited favor. Or grace means God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, means that God withholds from us what we do deserve. And what do we deserve? We deserve his wrath. We deserve punishment for our sins. But because of God's unlimited grace and mercy, he placed his son Jesus on the cross and poured out his wrath upon him instead of upon us. We were guilty, but God declares us innocent based upon Jesus taking our punishment on the cross. It's about time. About time we graced up. Now time we became more understanding in our judgments of others. Let's look at the final area where we need to grace up. We need to work at becoming more unselfish in our relationships. 
work at becoming more unselfish in our relationships. You know, man is born with a selfish nature. You don't have to teach a child how to be selfish. Fact is, the third word a child learns is the word mine. It's mama, dada, and mine. I'm actually trying to teach my 10-month-old grandson to say papa as his first word. So I will hold him for literally an hour or two, and I will say papa, 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 papa. Pretty sure he said it one time. Can you see how selfishness works? And we have to battle it in every area of life. I love to play golf. And I love to win. And I'll tell my golfing buddy, I'll say, before we tee off, I'll say, man, I hope you have a great game today. Man, I hope you shoot a 79 today. And I shoot a 78. For those of you that don't know golf, 78 is better than 79. See, there it is again. There it is again. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others before thinking of yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others. If we're going to grace up, if we're going to go to a new level in grace, we're going to have to, have to work at becoming more unselfish in our relationships. I want to give you some tips for unselfishness. Number one, listen more than you talk. It has been said that we wouldn't listen at all if we didn't know that we were about to get our turn to talk again. Listen more than you talk. There might be a clue when you look at your ears and you look at your mouth. Two, one. Listen more than you talk. Number two, don't demand your own way. Number three, be generous with what you have. And number four, shine the spotlight on others and not on yourself. Our takeaway for the day is this, and this is the best part of the entire message. It's about time. It's about time we graced up, and the best way to do this is to recognize the source of grace. I'm telling you that you will never become a graceful person. You will never be full of grace until you recognize the source of grace. John chapter 1 and verse 17 says the law was given through Moses. Grace came through Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2 says grace, mercy, and peace from, say from, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says that Jesus is the source of grace and that God the Father is the source of grace. If we desire 
to grace up. If we desire to grow in grace, the only way this will happen is if we spend time with the source of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16 says, Let us approach the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and we may find grace to help us in the time of need. The Bible says that we can receive mercy and the Bible says that we can find grace. Where can we receive mercy and where can we find grace? Hebrews 4 and 16 let us approach the throne of grace. I'm telling you the only way you're going to receive mercy and the only way you're going to find grace and the only way you're going to become graceful is if you spend time at the throne of grace. It's only at the throne of grace where you will become graceful. Because outside of the, of the throne of grace, amen, when you hang out with your buddies and your best friends, they are selfish and have a selfish nature just like you. And you will just become just like them only when you hang out with a source of grace where you have grace. Only when you spend time at the throne of grace, only there will you receive mercy. Only there will you find grace. A whole lot better than the response right there. Amen. That's good. You've heard me say it a thousand times, like begets like. You become like the people you constantly hang out with. You begin to take on their attributes. You begin to take on their characteristics. You begin to adopt their character or the lack thereof. Listen, listen to me this morning. If we desire to grow in grace, if we become, desire to become more graceful, then we need to hang out more at the throne of grace. We need to spend more time in God's presence because in God's presence, that is the source of grace. And the only way we're going to become graceful is if we spend time at the throne of grace. The only time that way we're going to become people of grace is if we go to the source of grace. We spend time in God's book. We spend time in God's house. We spend time in God's presence through prayer and praise. And if we do hang out at the throne of grace and if we do seek the source of grace, we will become more like him. His character will become our character. His ways will become our ways. Amen. Oh, uh, the grace he has for us will become the grace we have for others. But it's all only going to happen. It's only going to come to us when we're at the throne of grace. It's about time. It's about time we graced up. I know you've heard me say it many times, but I have new people every Sunday, and we all need to be reminded. But I'll never forget a few years ago when the Lord spoke to me and he said, call your church the grace place. If I've ever heard God speak, I heard his voice, and he said, call your church the grace place. And I'm going to tell you that I pray nearly every single day that we'll become the grace place. If you don't think God has a sense of humor of all the preachers, of all the pastors, that he could say, call your church the grace place, that he would talk to the bulldog That he, would, that he would talk to the one that had been raised by law. Like most of you my age and older were. Oh, we said you're saved by grace and not of works, but we preached more works than we preached law, or than we preached grace. Of all the people. God could speak to and say, 
call your church the grace place. He picked out the bulldog. The one that needed to be graceful more than anyone. I'd just soon tack their hide against the wall. Come on, some of you are in the same boat I'm in. My prayer, my heart, that we wouldn't just be called the grace place. I'm going to tell you because I've lived a few years now and I've seen a lot there's coming a day when you're going to need some grace for you or your child or your grandchild and what determines whether or not you receive grace is whether you have given grace. I remind the Lord every single day that my faith, my trust, my hope, my confidence for my salvation is in His grace. And if I'm going to receive grace from Him, then I must give grace to others. as I give it, that's the way I'll receive it. I feel like I need a lot of grace, so I want to give a lot of grace. Can you stand with me in his presence this morning?